0: Hi, this is Karis, and welcome to the Launch School podcast. Today, we have a special episode for you featuring Launch School student Felicia and her latest interview with founder, Chris Lee. Chris offers his unique perspective on how Launch School approaches learning, coding education, and software engineering. He also shares the origin story of Launch School, which was very interesting, explaining things I never even knew about. It's such a valuable interview that we decided to provide the audio version for this episode. But just before we get into it, here are some quick reminders about the latest events at Launch School. So first up, as a result of the new rv 189 and JS189 assessments and their connection to SQL, there has been an update to the LS181 SQL assessment. This came into effect April 28th. So if you're preparing for this one, be on the lookout for what is involved in this assessment. And now you can officially mark exercises as incomplete. Launch School exercises can be found in the main sidebar on the Launch School website under exercises. And this new feature gives you the option to unmark exercises just in case you need to revise. You may also be aware that Zoom calls now have a time limit on free accounts. And this may impact preparation for interviews and the interviews themselves. So Launch School will be moving over to Slack calls for these assessments alongside Codapad, of course. And all January Capstone Cohort presentations are officially available. If you would like to take a look at these impressive projects, you can find them also in the main sidebar on Launch School website under videos. If you'd like more information about Spot's Gather Town, which is a virtual study space for students, Spot moderator Marcos has just put together an introductory video for all the cool things that you can do there. And finally, the Launch School Women's Group now has a meeting on Sunday, May 15th, with special guest and Capstone graduate, Nicole Bailey. And that's it from me. Everything mentioned here today can be found in the show notes on podcast.launchschool.com. And if you have an idea for an interview or anything podcast related, you can reach out to us at this URL, launchschool.com forward slash podcast hyphen requests. And now it's over to Felicia and Chris. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Felicia. I'm a student at Launch School, and today I'm super excited because I get to sit down and talk with Chris Lee. He's co-founder and instructor at Launch School. So he's just going to be chatting with me about Launch School, about the software engineering field, and about himself, too. And I'm really excited to get to do this. So hi, Chris. Thank you for doing this with me.
2: Hey. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And a big, big fan of all your All your videos that you're making, Uh, (laughs) they are so, so good and so professional, I have to say. Um,
3: Thank you. uh,
2: Very, very, very nice. Nicely done. So very, very happy and excited to be here.
1: Yeah, I I love interviewing people. I like getting to know the people at Launch School and super excited for this one because I get to learn. We all get to learn from you. Okay, so my first question for Chris is, what gave you the idea to start a school, an online school for software engineering?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. That's a really good origin story. And I used to get that question so much that I wrote a blog post about it. And um, I'll just mention it right now. If you, if you search um, medium.com for uh, from bootcamp to mastery, you'll find this article uh, I wrote, uh, gosh, like four years ago, 2018. I wow. <laughs> need to write a part two to that article now. Um, <laughs> but that's our origin story because we we've been teaching people to code since the end of 2012 so that oh. that's that's so by the end of this year Ten it's years. gonna be 10 years it, it's been a wow. it's been a long time um i have never done anything for 10 years so <laughs> you know it's it's um and i never thought i would frankly um, i'm one of those sort of people who jumped around a lot wanted to do a lot of different things um but this has stuck for me and i never thought i would do anything for 10 years and i also never thought it would def- it would be like teaching people to code like that was not on my radar ever <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um even when we started teaching people to code um there was a motivation to learn how to teach
3: mm-hmm.
2: in order to build a product for educators mm-hmm. and 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 teaching itself wasn't necessarily the goal when we first started but I think as with many um, interesting companies that start, you go in one direction and then you realize such tremendous market forces just kind of pushing you along. Um, there's that, uh, you know, I go to like a lot of startup or um, small business workshops or things like that, right? Videos and and, and in the years before. Um, and one of the things I always ask you to look for is like, when you, when people are throwing money at you, you found something, um, and that's the position we found ourselves in. So, uh, from day one, people wanted to pay us money to learn, um, and we literally had to say no. <laughs> um, and people were willing to pay a hundred bucks, a thousand dollars, you know, whatever. Um, and they wanted to learn software development from experienced Mm -hmm. software engineers. And so like in 2012, at the end of 2012, I, I had, you know, 10 years of software engineering experience. Um, I was an engineering Mm -hmm. manager in, um, uh, in Silicon Valley, uh, in San Francisco at the time. And so pretty easy to get people to pay money to, um, participate in training. So I think it was, it was accidental. But it was one of those things that we just kept going, kept going, kept pulling that thread, kept exploring uh, without backing out of it, mm-hmm. um, probing for sort of the depth. Like, you know, it's a problem you want to try to figure out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I feel like it wasn't until launch school. And frankly, launch school was a hypothesis in 2016, early 2016, late 2015, right? So l- three years after starting TGP Code, we... Um, we arrived on Launchpool's model.
3: through
2: mm-hmm. just trial, uh, trial and error. Um, but even Launchpool at that stage was a hypothesis. I would say it's not until fairly recently, like maybe a year or two years ago, um, so 2020 ish, where you know I really felt like, okay, we 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 got this. Like this is not that we've cracked like the education problem or anything like that, but. Um, we've certainly cracked it for a certain type of, uh, of student, let's say, right. Mm -hmm. right? With a, with a, with a certain type of goal. So, Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I feel good about where we're at and that's sort of like a high level, you know, 30,000 foot about why, why, why we started. It was, it was literally, um, something that we were an activity we were doing to, in order to do something else, Mm -hmm. but this activity just took all our energy and time and 10 years later, here we are
3: it's wow,
2: amazing yeah i have a lot of more details that i didn't cover that's in that article about all the various um uh, experiments we ran um like every type of teaching modality that you can think of we we probably did from synchronous courses uh part-time synchronous courses full-time synchronous courses asynchronous courses um i, I mean we, we we tried you know almost every single uh, a model and arrived at what you see today um, at wow. launch school, sort of this two, two segments of mastery-based learning, async, bottom-up mastery-based learning with core, and then top-down synchronous with capstone at the end. Wow. Uh, it just, it, it, it's, it's not an intuitive uh, thing to arrive at, I guess.
1: No, yeah. It took literally a decade for you guys to figure out this formula. To arrive at what we have now—that's amazing. Okay, so launch school itself took a few years to become what it is now. But before it was actually launch school, it was called the Tea Leaf Academy. So it was still a school for software engineers that was kind of morphing into what launch school is now.
2: Yeah. So so Tea Leaf Academy was a program that we had prior to launch school. So uh, 2013 to 2015, something like that. The end Mm -hmm. of 2015. Uh, you know end of town and we haven't even had a thing before 2013 before te academy um where you know we were just kind of experimenting and um seeing what people wanted to learn and what we could teach um so te academy was a result of that prior research and hmm. experimentation um in teaching people um and ti academy was great it was three courses um and it People were getting six-figure jobs out of it. Wow. But what we noticed was there were people who could finish that three-course sequence mm-hmm. that didn't know some basic things. And that was alarming. We didn't have assessments. So we, we created those courses in what we thought at the time to be a very, very good, smooth ramp-up process to all these advanced topics that people were clamoring for. You know, because what people would do is they would, they would, um, look at job postings and then they would say, these are the things we want to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so they would list all the job posting topics, TDD, APIs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so we were like, yeah, we can teach that, no problem, right? Because again, I had 10 years of experience at that point. So all these topics were were fairly like, uh, you know, uh, I would say easy for me to teach, but like I had a lot of experience in, Right. right? So no problem. So, three courses for tea Leaf academy uh in our mind this is asynchronous so it could take as much time as you want but no assessments but in our mind we were thinking one month one month two months so first course one month second course one month third course two months and they were priced uh differently right so they were like the first course like 500 bucks or 400 bucks second course was like 600 and the third course is like 2,000 something like that and the whole thing was you know like 2,500 if you wanted to buy all three, again, people were willing to spend money. Um, that, that really wasn't a problem. Um, and it, as an education, uh, curriculum, you know, you can always, you will always have great success stories if you select. And the question for you as a designer of a curriculum is what do you want that percentage to be? Obviously if it's closer to 10% success, that's probably not good by any measure. When it gets confusing is when it gets to 50%, 60%, 70%. Is that still mm-hmm. okay for you, right, as a curriculum designer? At some point, you know, 100% might be too too strict.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but what percent is okay for you as a curriculum designer? And I think this is a question that all education institutions, not just coding schools and coding boot camps, but all education institutions um, have to answer for themselves.
3: Mm-hmm. What
2: is the success percent that you're happy with? Um, that you can execute on, right? Uh, because every education institution will have great testimonials, but is that a result of selection bias? And what is the actual success percent of 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 the uh, of the students coming into the program? For T-Leaf Academy, just if I were to ballpark it, I would say it was closer to fifty percent than than 90,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I think we could have easily just said, yeah, that's that's just the way it is. That's just the way education is, right? 50% success for some, compared to some education institutions would be great, right? That's not a big deal. Um, but I think it's one of those things where like, we we didn't do this to try to start a company to teach people to code. I, I, you know, we were still kind of like, okay, we're, we're maybe gonna build a product right? We're software engineers. We're like product builders, right? <laughs> Not teachers or anything like that. So, um, I was still at the time, even with Tative Academy, I was thinking, you know, this is good, but, uh, you know, we're still going to maybe build, build a product later. The problem is it, it just, I felt like there was a lot of unfinished business here. I felt like we, we had something really good, but there was just something off with our hypothesis and, and, uh, I'll, i mention sort of that a little bit in that our three course sequence, remember one month, two months, then two months. So the first course was supposed to be a quarter of the entire, um, sequence, a mm-hmm. quarter. So the topic in the first course was basic programming plus basic networking plus basic database. <laughs> Right. So you laugh now because you know the backlog curriculum <laughs> now. Okay. So that was the first course. The second course one month was introduction to rails course. Nothing advanced, just introduction to rails. The third course the two months course we, we, we had like over 100 hours of videos in that course. Mm-hmm. Um, TDD everything, integration with Stripe, uh it, it, you know, integration with uh external APIs. I mean it was like a full blown app. <laughs> Um, integration with AWS, all this stuff, right? Every, and everything's like TDD. That 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 was what's in the third course. <laughs> okay, so if you can finish that, of course you're going to be an amazing, uh, you know, uh, uh, marketable uh, software engineer. Problem is, people will go through this and at the end ask questions like, "What's inheritance?" Right? And we just do a oh sort of hit your forehead moment, like, how, "You know, we covered that, remember?" Like, yeah you know I kind of do but I kind of don't <laughs> right right that just kept happening over and over and over because people would get stuck in a third course um, and we would try to help them. and of course there's a problem when your explanation they don't understand your explanation. there's a mismatch right when your explanation doesn't clarify it causes more questions and then you keep keep doing that and you're like man what you know we, we talked about HTTP. Back in course one, yeah, you know, but I I don't remember. So, so law school today, the entire core curriculum is that first course. Do you see the difference? Like that's what we learned. Like tea leaf was such a miss, right? In terms of if you care, if you care about like people's actually understanding, if you didn't care about that, we could have just. You know, we could have rolled a lot of different ways going forward with t Academy. We could have turned it into one of those like $9 per month subscription services, kept making videos. Um, I felt like there was a lot of different ways of moving forward. But the, again, the key problem we were trying to solve is can we make sure people understand? Can we get close to 90%, 100% comprehension at the end? How do we do that, right? Because uh, of course we can, go make money, uh, you know, a thousand different ways with our courses or, or without our courses, just with our exper- with our experience, you know, we can mm-hmm. go get a job. Um, but I think what was interesting was just a problem, the education problem. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to me, it was, it was a puzzle. It was a puzzle that I wanted to solve. Um, and, and so we, we, we had to add assessments. Right. That was. Yeah. Um, and again, for us, that was one of those like, y- you know, like teachers know about assessments and tests <laughs> for a long time. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, if you if you do it a certain way and if you explain to people why you need it, um, it, it can be good. Right. So um, so we added assessments and also we realized um, watching people go through our t Academy courses was it's just all about fundamentals. There was nothing in our third course, our, you know, $2,000 course that was really that complex, frankly. The confusion was all around the fundamentals. You know, that w- it, it was it was the key to everything and all the confusion. Hmm. Um, like APIs are not that hard, you know, uh, integrating with external APIs is not that hard. TDD is not that hard, but it's hard if you don't know any of the fundamentals. Right right? and So that was the main problem that we saw. So we, we we just decided, like, we need to just make sure to drill, drill, drill on fundamentals and assess. Because people are bad at self-assessment, even though they're we're not afraid of people, like, lying, you know? Because, it, but it's more like, you know, in the tea leaf courses, we would check in on people and say, how'd you like the first course? Like, oh, I liked it a lot. It was great. I learned a lot. I didn't know about all this. And it's like, okay, great. That was, I seemed like, you know, stuff. And then later on, didn't, didn't get in there. Right. <laughs> yes. So, so you need it, you need it later. Um, so that's how we came to logical. And that's where we, we, why we rebranded too. Cause it was just a completely different thing from tea leaf. We didn't want people to conflate the two. Um, mm-hmm. And so in 2000, the end of 2015. So again, at that point, it was three years of, um, I think we realized the problem a year and a half into tea leaf Academy. <laughs> Um because it takes a you know it's a four-month course, so it takes some time for people to finish it and then we see results. And so a year and a half we started to recognize the problem, and mm-hmm. then we started to work on launchable. It took like took like a year for us to build it. So that's why you know the whole duration is three years, it's not just like, oh, we recognize the problem, we changed it, right? It was right. just a lot of work. Um and uh and then we launched launchable at uh end of 2015, beginning of 2016. Um, And it's what you see today. And we've been tweaking it a lot, the curriculum, but the overall sort of pedagogy, overall thesis of law school is consistent.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And it's been, I think it's, it's been, it's been right. And that now we now have capstone grads and core grads uh, who have been working for years and years um, and, and, you know, we get feedback. Right. So, it's been, it's been rewarding to sort of see that entire journey, knowing how hard it was. Um, And frankly, part of the reason it was hard is because we didn't, you know, we didn't have like education background uh, for, you know, for good or bad. Um, And, and just, again, trying to figure out sort of from first principles, quote unquote, and uh, from sort of a software engineering mindset of Mm -hmm. tackling the processes and the system um, and, and coming up with, uh, with what we have today.
1: That's amazing. So, from Tea Leaf, you kind of figured out that Mastery Fundamentals and First Principles is the way to go. Is the way to teach it. And was that because of those people taking the tests and and not really knowing what was going on, or did you were you like researching other schools and boot camps and seeing what they were doing and just realizing like
2: nobody was doing this? Yeah, no, we didn't look at anything else. We had a lot of students. Like I said, we we never had the problem of like where our students or anything like that. I, and I think part of it is, you know, we uh, were fortunate to sort of start in when we started, uh, when uh, we were among the first wave of coding boot camps. right? Coding boot camps came about around 2012, mm. 2011, 2012. And we were in that, we were in that burst. <laughs> um, cool. uh, we just didn't take VC funding and we didn't, you know, grow as rapidly because again, we didn't feel like we figured out the problem. You, you know, like why, 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 you know money people were paying us money so we didn't really have that problem uh, it, it, it you know vc funding is great um, if you want to step on a gas pedal you want to step on a gas pedal when you have a good direction to go we never right. felt that you know we never felt that we did had a good direction to go like I said I, I wasn't happy with I was happy with the results that we got from TV Academy even today I get emails from people T D grads that are like hey Thanks so much. And a lot of our TLF grads now are like managers, and so um, I know a handful at least that are hiring our capsule grads now.
1: That's amazing. So there are success. Yeah, that's
2: stories. great, right? So yeah. So there was a there's a lot of success out of tea Leaf Academy. There was a lot of success out of those TV courses. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't happy with the hit percentage. Right. So in my mind, it's it's not just about it's about trying to reach for the ceiling because in educa- when you design education curriculum, I feel like you're always being pulled in two different directions. One is, can you reach for a ceiling? Can you reach for the maximum uh, result? Or do you want to serve more people? Like these are not two things you can do at the same time. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So the, that's the hard part. The hard part isn't if you just do one or the other. If you say, I just want maximum uh, potential. Easy. Select, select aggressively. Mm
3: -hmm. If
2: you say I want a curriculum that's more catered towards everybody, easy as well, because you you don't have to worry about reaching for maximum potential, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's more serving everybody.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: How do you do both? That that's not easy. That's not easy. Um, So I want to do that, right? I wanted to do both. Uh, Otherwise, there's no point in creating yet another like uh, elite education institution that uh, just selects. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's not really you know, interesting. Like I said, I think this is a privilege of being a experienced software engineer, right? <laughs> you like, yeah. you can manufacture money with a job anytime you want.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So
2: it, that, you know, making money w- was important because we want to stay alive, but it wasn't like the thing. It wasn't. The thing. Um, yeah. So uh, so the And also, how do you design a curriculum that doesn't, that minimizes harm? Because in education, I think it's so easy to attract people and highlight the success.
3: But mm-hmm.
2: then the people that couldn't derive any value out of the education experience, wasted money, wasted opportunity cost. So how do you minimize that? How do you minimize the opportunity cost and the actual cost? Right, mm-hmm. the uh to 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 that experience if you don't have a good one. So this is why we, we don't do annual plans, right? So so we have this system where I think all these things taken into consideration, mm-hmm. um we wanna have wanna try to reach for one's potential and try to push to maximum result, but also be fairly egalitarian, uh open, um, but also minimize people's um minimize harm to people. Because in education, what I notice is uh, there, there's a lot of vulnerable people that uh, especially career transitioners right that want to go into software um, and it's very very easy to convince them to pay you money like that's not hard it, it, it's 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 like a great place for stem artists because it's there's just so many people that don't know um and they they substitute money for um for a path forward right mm-hmm. so and i wanted to try to like minimize that so for us we're like hey come check us out you don't like us you can leave any time and if you, you first have to go through like that prep course right which is a lot and then you pay 199 a month hey it didn't work out you lost 200 bucks in a month right and mm-hmm. so um that that's that's why you know we're, we're designed the way we are based on all that experience and all those ideas how do we like fit all these ideas together
1: mm-hmm. And that, that's what attracted me to law school because I'm one of those people you're talking about. I was a career transitioner from architecture. I had no idea about this field. I knew nobody. And I was I felt kind of vulnerable because I, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to do. And I wasn't really financially okay at the time. But I still spent money on all these books that I tried reading, didn't work out, tried free cocaine. I tried a whole bunch of other courses too that I uh, paid for. Um, none of them ended up working. And then I ended up finding launch school by accident. And that was one of those things that really attracted me was the fact that I could try the prep course, see if I liked it. And at any time during the core, I could just stop. And it seemed less risky to me. Sure, it's $199 a month, but I was paying over $5,000 a semester for two 45-minute classes at my university. So I was like $200 versus a few thousand dollars not
2: that bad. Um, yeah. So I yeah that I, I a lot. It, it allows you to dip your toes into the water and it allows you to um, try it. And I, I make no claims that logical is for everybody because that's impossible. I mean, right. the you know, everyone's so different. Everyone has different goals. You know, mm-hmm. everyone um, has. And so, uh, and I don't know if launchable is for you, um, but there's a very, very low risk low cost way of figuring it out. And also I will say that you should try law school first because every other education institution does it the opposite. You know, there's a high fee um, and no matter what happens at the end, you pay that fee. And so why do that first, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of risk there. There's also, I think pricing also influences like how we behave. Um, like we don't really do phone calls. Um, I used to do phone calls with students when we first started. More from like a learning perspective, um, but right now we don't we don't do phone calls, right? And part of the reason is because it, it costs $1.99 to start. <laughs> we're, we're, we're you know we take a phone call. We're we're not going to be able to make any money at all. Uh, we're losing money, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so that incentivizes that doesn't incentivize a marketing oriented approach for good or for bad, right? Mm-hmm. And just because you know a, a conversion uh, from from sort of. You know, marketing speak. A conversion for us is two hundred dollars. Like that's not a high enough number for us to go and like put out put out the red carpet. Right. Um, if it's ten thousand dollars, we're on you. Like these to honey, right? I right. have my marketing team and sales team go and convert you. Because every conversion is ten thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars, so this is this is why you know it's not. Uh, yeah, partly because I don't. I personally am not a marketer. I don't like marketing, um, but um, I'm not averse to it. But it's uh, but uh, you know but you know the world runs on marketing, frankly. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, but we're, the pricing point also like incentivizes us, incentivizes me to behave mm-hmm. a certain way that's congruent with sort of my values. Mm-hmm. right so um all of that sort of fits together um uh, to, to kind of you know you get what you see today at, at launch school three courses two
1: thousand
2: you mean two yeah yeah wow
3: and yeah.
2: It, so it, all- was, it was good it was a really good thing i mean the the subsequent two courses are in the archives right now for launch school so you can still see them they're they're super outdated at this point but they're still very very good like i to this day i don't i don't see courses like that um, really? Just has to be refreshed. Yeah, it's really good. Like we deconstruct everything, you know, as we do, uh, as we do for law school for sure. Or we deconstruct even more. But um, those courses, you know, because most courses and books are just like build this and copy and paste, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: Even in the Leaf courses, we're we're trying to ask you to deconstruct. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
1: Awesome. I was just on a side note. I was just looking at those courses today, uh, just just to see what was there. One of my questions was, why did you start with Ruby? And I was like, let me see if I figure this out for myself. So I went to those archives one, and a lot of it was Rails and prototyping and stuff. I thought, oh, well, maybe at the time, Ruby was more of a popular language. And mm-hmm. most people learn or want to learn Ruby, I guess, to learn Rails to build web apps. So that, that was probably maybe an easy choice at the time to make.
2: Um, yeah, sure. We can talk but, about that for sure. Um, that's definitely a part of it <clears throat> in that like, there was a rise of coding boot camps. They all use Ruby. And a lot of them still do. Hmm. And that was exactly why Rails was. So there's some like historical coincidence here, right? In that um, Rails came about, was launched in, I want to say 2006, uh, around 2006, Rails. Um, And um, I was in there in the very beginning around 2006, because at that time I was an enterprise Java developer. Um. And I was just very bogged down by sort of the enterprise coding world. Um, didn't didn't enjoy it. Uh, things have changed now. Don't send me hate mail. Um, <laughs> all these Java developers are always emailing me. Um, uh, I used to, you yeah, know, I, 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 I uh, was a Java developer for a very long time. Um, and when Rails came out, it coincided with the rise of startups. Mm, okay so the rise of startups uh was um you know there was there was a dot-com bust 2002-ish right 2001-2002-ish there was a Mm -hmm. dot-com bust that first wave um and then by mid-2000s the activity came back up again money started going back into it again 2006-2007 really really um started things started to take off in the startup world um and so a lot of money kind of going into it again and they they were funding companies with like 100 grand right they were starting companies worth 100 grand um now java is one of those things where you need like really expensive tooling um, and uh, or historically right there's there's open source alternatives but a lot of the really good java tooling are are they cost money so these startups just wanted like And also Enterprise Java is slow, right? It's a lot of boilerplate code. Like my project plan for our Enterprise projects were like the first two weeks were just set up, set up and configure, two weeks. And so here's this Danish guy coming out with a video, like a five-minute video that builds a blog in five minutes, right? You're like, whoa, you can build a blog in five minutes? Um, I can like download Struts in five minutes, maybe. (laughs) Um, Struts is a Java framework, right? Java would framework. Um, and so it it, it it was just one of those things where um, uh, there was one meme at the time. Uh, I believe it was on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter started like 2007-ish or 2006-ish or uh, 2005, maybe Twitter. Um, there was one meme on Twitter where they were like, okay, to learn Rails, you need two books. One on Ruby, one on Rails. It was like two mm-hmm. O'Reilly books. Our, yeah, two anyway, two books, and then to learn Java, you, there was like a stack of like ten books, Gosh. right? And so it's like, what as a developer, what do you want to, what do you want to learn, and what, <laughs> yeah. what do you want to use? So Rails caught a lot of enterprise developers, Java, jo- enterprise Java, enterprise.net. A lot of enterprise developers were just sick of enterprise development, and it caught that. And then on the other side, it caught a lot of PHP developers, um, who need a structure, right? Um, but at that time. Again, PHP developers don't email me. <laughs> but at that time, PHP developers had a reputation for you know like spraying SQL in their view templates, and all the apps had um, all these like SQL injection problems. No discipline, right? Like Java, <laughs> enterprise Java, too much discipline, like bureaucracy. Um, PHP, no discipline. So Rails struck like a really nice middle band, and attracted folks from both sides.
3: Wow.
2: Um and. So it became the stack of choice for a lot of startups at that time that were getting a lot of money and there was a lot of shortage of Mm -hmm. Rails developers. Um, So I was an engineering manager in San Francisco at the time running a development team, trying to hire people, um, Ruby, Rails, JavaScript, very similar to today actually, (laughs) databases, Um, throwing money at people just like two years out of school and getting rejected, just just throwing money at them. <laughs> um, so there was a there was a dearth of good uh, Rails developers, and Rails was just you know catching that sort of startup startup uh, momentum, catching the money train, right? Uh, at that time, and uh, the coding bootcamps really stepped in there to react to that. And you know we were in that same bucket there at the time. Mm-hmm. So some historical information for for everybody. It's fun times.
1: When I think about it, yeah, I yeah, that was one of those questions I always wondered about because I I was not at all in the software. I didn't have any. I didn't even have a phone till I was eighteen. Like I, I just was not a part of that world, so I had no idea what was going on at that time. So it was really interesting to hear about Ruby and Rails being so popular, and I guess that's why you chose Ruby as the one and only track to start launch school with.
2: Yeah. I mean, for us, it was either going to be Java, Ruby. Uh, I, you know, at the time, JavaScript, it, it was it was still rising, and there, there was just too much, um, too many things in flux in the JavaScript world. Mm-hmm. Like, at the time, there was, like, Ember, Angular, React. It was three choices in terms of frameworks. Today, it's just React, right? Right now, 2022. You know, we'll see what the future holds. But um, it, at the time, there was three frameworks that all could potentially be, Uh, you know, the dominant framework. Mm. Um, And the language itself was also under a lot of flux. So we never considered JavaScript for that reason. Um, Certainly Python was in there. um, And we also had some crazy ideas like C or something. (laughs) Mm. But uh, I mean, look, there's a reason why all the coding bookends at that time started with Ruby. There was just a need. Like I said, when people are throwing money at you you know you're like okay this is a direction you know th- there's something here whether or not you take that money is up to you and overpromise, right but it's like there's a demand here for this thing right so that's why we wow. went down and we were you know already pretty pretty experienced ruby developers at that time so that was like in 2012 yeah um like i already had like five years experience at that time um wow. in ruby so
1: are there any future plans to adding other tracks so the Launch School curriculum as it stands now, it started with Ruby. It has adapted to have a JavaScript track, so you could choose either or. Uh, do you see any changes in the future that might prompt you to add another course to Launch School?
2: Or uh, track, maybe. I'm sorry? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not like huge on another track yet. What I like is introducing um, languages that expose people to new, new mental models. Um, so for example, in Capstone, we added Golang. So we asked people to learn Golang and we do all the algorithms and data structure stuff in Golang. Um, okay. And we are thinking about explaining that more in, in the future to, you know, maybe even build some projects in Golang. We'll see, right? And that's because it, you know, whether you did the Ruby track or, or just the JavaScript track, the Ruby plus JavaScript track or the JavaScript track, um, Golang gives you, exposure to sort of new ways of thinking hmm. right so um like another one is maybe typescript that we're we, we want to add um, and also the reason is because we're seeing it on on job interviews right we're seeing right. a lot of GoLang, a lot of our a lot of our uh, graduates go off and work in GoLang jobs um, oh, interesting. they see a lot of typescript right so these are things that expose you to new new ideas and and um, that's which is good, and also it's good for the job market. Um, I think for a certain type of employer, there's certain types of users, like, I need Python experience, for example. I just, I, you know, that's fine. You, you know, our grads can't apply for that. But a lot of our capsule grads actually end up in Python jobs because oh, if you know Ruby well, they're pretty confident that you can pick up Python, right? So, um, uh, so that's why, I don't know if we need like a Python track just to hit maybe the... The companies that are demanding python experience mm-hmm. but usually you know um those types of companies aren't paying in the range that 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 our caps and grads are targeting
3: mm-hmm. right
2: so i've talked about this topic a ton of times but i'll just touch on it for one second here since we're talking about it. Is that yeah. um you know there's skill and there's knowledge based on my observation the higher the paying the job the more they want skill you need knowledge to bootstrap your skills development but it's not about knowledge bits right the, the some of the lower paying jobs actually demand a lot of knowledge this is the contradiction of what i'm <laughs> trying to get into software right it's like what do i have to know to get a job that pays this much
3: mm-hmm.
2: right some of the lower some of the lower paying jobs actually demand a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, so for some of these jobs that we're trying to drive to actually don't demand Python knowledge, for example, okay. even though they're the Python stack.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but you have to be fast learning, right? So right. Um, so for me, I want to expose people to um, different mental models. Again, mm-hmm. something like Golang, TypeScript, um, yeah, like, things like that. C, you know, we did a C seminar. I think you participated.
1: Yes, right? I did C yeah. and I did Python. And, yeah, and you just that C makes sense.
2: Content. Great. Because it exposes yeah. you to just like different ideas. Even if you don't master, it's like, oh, okay. You know, um,
1: yeah. I... <laughs> and I, I was surprised at how confident I was walking into the seminar after uh, doing Ruby and a bit of JavaScript thinking this isn't that bad. I mean, maybe yeah. before I was doing launch school, I probably would have been a little more more lost. But I was reading from a book not trying to master anything, but I was surprised at how fast I could pick everything up.
2: Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. And -hmm. so, because you have those strong like mental models um, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's what I want people to have in in Mm -hmm. launch school is yeah, you got to master language, but after that more about mental models. So, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: so that's, that's what I'm thinking about next um, in terms of like curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's always a temptation to add another language track. I just feel like the the ROI on that for us is not super high.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but you know, it, it's uh, never say never, I guess, because the <laughs> curriculum is always um, a reaction. I just wrote this in Slack um, just right now, but like when we first did launch school, it, it, it was based on you know my experience. Um, I mean, it was based on what I saw with T D F Academy and all that, but it was still based on my experience. Um, and like I said, it was the first course of TV Academy blown up to the core curriculum, right? And that's, wow, that, that's <laughs> pretty. A lot. That's pretty crazy, right? Um, yes. So, in other words, the core curriculum was jammed into one course. <laughs> um, I could not imagine that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's impossible. That's an impossible expectation for people to remember it all, right? And master it all, and then move on to the next course. And that's why we, uh, you know, are focusing on beefing up the current. Two language tracks we have, Mm -hmm. um, exposing people to more mental models and and not so much like another language track necessarily. But it's a reaction to the market. It's a reaction to um what our capstone grads are seeing. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So I wrote that in Slack, right? Like everything we do is is now based on that. It used to be based on like my my take, my experience.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh but when we first started. But now more and more it it's shifting away from like my personal preference. And more towards what what the market is demanding of our capstone grads, right. Mm-hmm. right? So we're going to react to that.
1: And that makes sense. You want to push people out into the world when they start working with the skills that they're going to need when, you know, they're in the interview and they're being asked questions. They don't, you don't want them to show up and think, you know, I don't know that. I never learned that. And it's like, yeah, it's oh. a
2: goal-driven curriculum. I mean, we have a purpose. We have a goal. Uh, the requirements that we get, like if you think about any course or any book that you buy, where does the author get their requirements to cover this topic with right. this much emphasis or with just barely a little bit of awareness?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And where, that, where do those requirements come from?
1: Yeah. And that was my next question was, how do you keep the curriculum updated? Even just this past week, you added an assessment and you took one away. And Yeah. Being in this industry, everything is changing so fast and evolving so fast. It seems like over the course of just months or one or two years. Um, so, how do you keep it updated?
2: Yeah, it's a live, it's a live thing for us. All courses, all content that we have, and that's this is why it's hard, right? Um, mm-hmm. I got, I got an email the other day like, "Hey, free Code Camp is free. You charge money. <laughs> well, why do you charge money?" I'm like, we have staff, and we like we update everything. Um, you know, and, and free cool camp has a different model. They have a donor model, uh, right. They ask for donations. We don't ask for donations. So, uh, it's just a different model. Right. But we, we are constantly working behind the scenes, always Mm -hmm. updating. And there's a little feedback widget that's on our website. If you're logged in, you'll see it. It's on the side. Um, if you're on a regular, um, uh, monitor, if you open, if you click on it and you, you write something in there, it opens up an issue for us that's tracked. And we, you know, we might not send you an email about it, but we work on it. Um, and we have staff working on it. So it's a it's a live document. And so for the assessments that you mentioned that we added and removed. Yeah, I actually talked extensively about this on the podcast. Season four, episode one, that was just fairly recently released. Um, but just to quickly rehash that, it's absolutely due to what our CAPSOM grants are seeing i mean that that's a really good example of that right we added a lot more content in the j s two thirty nine mm-hmm. um, part um and then uh, uh we also added one eighty nine assessment right for the um i guess we didn't take any assessments away <laughs> i think we just added
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, but yeah it's 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 absolutely based on what we see um there was a discussion today in slack about our html css stuff right it's a it's the same thing. It's based on um, again, not my personal preference. It's not a reflection of like my values about a piece of technology. It's just uh, what employers are currently asking for, and if that changes, will change.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, I saw that
1: um, HTML, CSS, and I'm kind of concurrently going through that course and 230. I tend to forget things if I don't use it, so I kind of go through things as I need it in this course and. I noticed that too. And I noticed even in the spot, there's no even like study groups for 202. And I struggled really hard on the box model and stuff. And I thought, that's strange that we're not, I know it's not being asked in interviews, but we're not being tested on it. So how do I know that I really know this? So like, I'm so used to our model of testing that without a test, I'm like, you know, do I even really know this? I don't like tests, but at the same time, I really need them for myself. And even with the uh, JSP, Two thirty nine interview. I haven't had that experience of working on a project and talking about it. And I thought, hmm, I made a project some year ago, two years ago. It's been such a long time. Do I remember how to do it? Am I gonna? Am I gonna have a hard time in capstone because there's some skill that I haven't practiced yet? In so that's kind of actually what I was worried thinking about today. I was talking to people in my group about it. they're like, oh, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll pick it up. But I'm still, yeah. you know, kind of yeah, curious. Yeah,
2: I think you'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I think it's also a bias in that, like, most, the vast majority of our our grads are not getting front-end roles. They're not targeting front-end roles. So that, okay. that has that tint to it. Um, again, if that changes, then I'm sure they're going to get all these questions on HTML CSS, and then we'll add the assessment back. Mm, you know, okay. we used to have a pretty severe HTML CSS course along with a book on the open bookshelf, along <laughs> with an assessment. Really hard. People would spend months in that course, right? So, um, and, but again, the problem is this we, we just weren't seeing it on in interviews. And then the feedback, you know, people give us feedback all the time, including after they finish. Wow. And so, one of the most consistent pieces of feedback we got was hey, that HTML CSS course that I spent three months on <laughs> was like complete, not useful. Oh man. Right. Um, okay. and so, so we revamped that course. That was that used to be called 201. Now it's called 202. That's why that course is 202, right? <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. why is that number so weird? Because everything else is like 101, you know, that type of thing. But um that's a 202 HL and CSS course. We removed our book um as well. Um hmm. and so, you know, that, again, that's what we're seeing. And so far, again, based on our on feedback, that's not that's not one of the feedback pieces I get. In terms mm-hmm. of like, we really need to beat that up. You know, th- things like hey, TypeScript. You know, maybe GraphQL, right? right? Um, things like that. It, 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 this, that's the feedback I get in terms of like, uh, what 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 are some gaps that you have in your first six months at work? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, wow. um, yeah. Never never HTML yet. That just doesn't. Happen. <laughs> but hey, if people see this video and they do and they and they and they go, hey, you know that's that's wrong. You know, in my job that happened. I'm a, you know, we'll add it back. We'll add the assessment back. It, it, right. Like, like I said, the curriculum is live. This is not a, a statement about anything. <laughs> it's just right. feedback, right? We get feedback from employers, from interviews, and then we update. So. The, the, the launch school curriculum is basically a, a giant cheat sheet for you. <laughs> right. You can think about it like that.
1: Do you find that employers are looking for engineers who have networking experience? And I ask this because uh, before I started Course 170, which is a networking course, or 171, I can't remember. <laughs> um, I guess you guys updated the course to add more information because you realized that there was a need for it. I guess people were being asked about it. Do you still find that now? Um, is that more of a thing um, in the software engineering field to know more about networking?
2: It doesn't come up directly, like, um, or at least uh, rarely, I guess. Um, But networking as a a general topic is very, very big. So specifics will come up, right? Mm -hmm. Specific, um, like protocols. Like, you know, this protocol. Have you used that protocol? Um, What we cover, we did update the networking course. Uh, It's been a minute. It's been like a year or so. But that's a course where we beat up. Mm-hmm. Right, so for the HTML CSS, we tone it down a little bit. For the networking, we beefed it up a little bit. Again, mm-hmm. why? You know, again, based on based on interviews, based on what we see, um, and also based on uh, the knowledge that we need you to have when you come into capstone, right? Because we okay. need you to do like just in time learning to do capstone. So it's more like it's a building block of these higher level ideas that we need you to have. And our interviews that we talk about, talk about here, maybe not directly quizzing you about like you know, um, wh- 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 how does a TCP handshake work or something like that, you know? Um, but it's a lot of it, the conversation like implied, like you should know, um, like the difference between like TCP and UDP,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like just generally speaking, right? Um, so, uh, and the fact that like, you know, uh, uh, like in Capstone projects and in conversation, interview conversations, um, you'll talk about other protocols besides HTTP, right? So it be like, here's another protocol that rides on TCP, Mm-hmm. right so like statements like this that like blow your mind or is that like okay cool like I can get that right um, yeah. uh, right uh, and and or if just, you know there's like a video we watch in Capstone for example that talks about um, how they improved the system improve the system they, they switched out TCP with UDP
3: hmm.
2: okay so like improve <laughs> there's some cost there's well, like what's the downside of that right so you have to know that mm-hmm. like intuitively at a high level so networking comes up like indirectly like that in conversation. And when mm-hmm. you're trying to build, again, strong mental models for um, various trade-offs and, and maybe other protocols that you're working with. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know if it's like grilled specifically. Okay. You know, I think it's one of those things in interviews when people talk to you and just like, okay, you don't know that. <laughs> right. And,
1: you can't know everything. And so,
2: yeah. And so for, for me, it's like, I want you to know like these basic things. At least the um,
1: basics one, to get started with and whatever, you know, you get yeah. your job, you'll, you'll learn things
2: on the job too. It, you'll learn things on the job for sure. And this is another thing that I, you know, I, it's a little controversial. So I say, you know, I don't want people to perceive it incorrectly, but it's one of those things where you're allowed room to learn on the job. Like, i talk to employers a lot. They're in a very weird situation, right? They're like, I want to invest in people. Of course, you know, of course, you have time to learn, but you got to be at a certain place. You got to be here to learn here to learn as mm-hmm. much. But if you're way down there, I-, I can't give you a year to learn. Right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's not that's too much time. Um. So I need people to be here, um, and I think it's there's a lot of people that say, well, there's you know junior developers, no one's hiring junior developers, but I think there's a problem with who is defining that, right? So like every company gets to say what kind of input they can take, right? right? Like even our capstone grads, a lot of them get titles like senior software engineer. Look, they're all they're all junior. They're all junior, quote unquote, right? Title, I mean, it, it can say whatever, but they're all like kind of new to software. But they're at a place where they can ramp up in a period of like a month, two months. They're ready for that,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: Um, and I think that's where people need to get to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think a lot of education institutions will say, hey, if you just go to our come to our training and after three months, four months, five months, you are be a junior software engineer and you can go apply for junior jobs. And then when they can't find jobs, they blame companies, but they really should be blaming their school or their boot camp. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so you know, I always like the, the, the employer is going to say what kind of input they need. Right. So, um, there is a little bit of like, yeah, you do, you should try to encourage, uh, employers to be more open-minded, um, Mm -hmm. to take more risk. I think those are worthwhile things for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but the ones I'm talking to, they're already aware and they want to, they just have a really hard time finding qualified, finding qualified, um, qualified people. You know, you've been in launch school for a long time now. Again, imagine you're on the hiring side. You're a hiring manager and somebody went to a three-month program and you and you can just tell they don't really understand some of the fundamentals mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the point where you need them to. Right. There's nothing you can do.
1: Right. You can spend time then investing in that person, which is fine. But they could spend time on their own in the education phase and learn it themselves. And that's the kind of situation I'm in. I'm near the end of core. I'm in the very last course. And I never know what to say when people ask what I want to do. I don't really know because I don't really know what's out there. But I am confident enough to say that I have the skills uh, to learn whatever I need to learn for the job. I have my own, whatever I've learned through Launch School, whether it's Ruby, JavaScript, networking databases, I have the foundations right there. So if my employer needs to for me to learn Python, I can go off for a few weeks or months and go learn Python. It's not a big deal. Whatever
2: right. it is, not years.
1: <laughs> right? It won't. It definitely won't take me years. Like I can learn what I need to learn in a few weeks or months, um, and it could be anything really. And I couldn't have said that at all whatsoever when I first started this. It really took years for me to build this up—not just the knowledge and skills, but the confidence to say that. Um, so I really like law school for
2: yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, our whole thing is just trying to figure out what employers want, making a roadmap to there. That That's that's it.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome.
2: While minimizing harm, you know.
1: That's, yes. And even though I have been here for three years, still, you tell me three years almost to get through this, to get through law school, it's still shorter than a four-year degree and much less expensive. I've learned so much in this past three years, more than I have, I think, in my entire life of being in school. And I've paid a lot less money for it. And I'm gonna have so much more at the end of this a career. I'm gonna be financially stable for once in my life. Like I'm gonna have so much more for this short amount of time. Like it doesn't matter that it took me three years. It doesn't. Because the longer your skill
2: the longer you wanna be in this field, the more this makes sense. Uh, and mm-hmm. and and I think that's one of the hard parts about this. And I think um, in education again, there's a lot of conflicting forces. There's a, just a lot of conflicting forces, and you have to balance them again, while, w- without doing harm, minimizing harm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found is the more you stretch out the time horizon, the more things align. All the conflicts happen in the short run. But when you think about years, decades, you know what to do. You know what the right action is, right? And when I, when we first, again, did TGF Academy and did launch Bowl, um I talked to a lot of my friends in the industry about what we're going to do. Um, the feedback I got was fairly unanimous from them. And they were all kind of like me at that time, you know, 10, 10 plus years of software engineering experience. Engineering managers, hiring managers, et cetera, right? Directors. And they said this, they're like, that's absolutely the best education model, but no one's going to do it. You will will find zero students because that's just too long. Uh, If you're going to try to ask people to learn for years, why wouldn't they do a computer science program and get a degree? The whole reason why boot camps work is the short duration. It's actually not like any magical education model is just hold your breath for three months because that's how long people can't hold their breath for. Hold your life for three months. And then you get this job, right? So our model is like, it could be years. We don't know. And so the feedback I, we got from, from people are like, no, that's, that's, that's the right way to learn and teach. And, and I would love to hire people out of that program, but who in their right mind will spend that long learning? And I think we've proven that wrong over the the, the years, right? It's like we can find great students. Um, And in fact, that itself is a good selection criteria in that um, it's not selection based on any socioeconomic markers, but it's selection based on effort and perseverance, which is guess what exactly what employers want, you know, (laughs) hardworking, persistent people um and Mm -hmm. that's that's the 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 thing we have and again the more you stretch it out the the more things align and again this Mm -hmm. multi-year program how in the world does that make sense makes sense if you are thinking about a multi-decade career
3: right Mm -hmm.
2: right if you're not then yeah of course it doesn't make sense if you're checking out programming of course it doesn't make sense right Mm -hmm. um so so that's that's the that's the mental model I've had in terms of operating launch goal is -hmm. just thinking more long-term every time I'm, there's a confusing point, think long-term it becomes more clear. Mm -hmm. So so the the, the education puzzle, I think comes together in the long run, in the short Mm -hmm. run, there's just so many conflicting factors, opposing Mm -hmm. attributes that just don't work together.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Right. But in the long run, it can work.
1: And, That's funny because you actually just kind of answered my next question. Uh, was did you think that it was, do you think that it was hard to convince people of this when you figured out that you needed to kind of revamp the curriculum? You knew it was going to take people longer to get through the material to learn the basics, first principles. So that trade off of going through it fast and getting a job versus slowing down, spending more time to do it, lowering the cost. That must have been difficult to try to convince people that this was going to work, especially because it was a new thing that you were trying to do. But now having, what, five, six, seven years of experience now in law school going on for this long, we're, we're starting to see proof and proof that people are being successful and not just graduating capstone and getting a job. It doesn't just stop there. And I think people forget that. I forget that. Um, it's a long term investment in our in our career. So I graduate, I get a job, but I'm going to be doing this for 5, 10, 15 years, and it's just going to compound over that time.
2: mean a lot more than that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> a long time. And I think.
2: Are you 50? <laughs> <or 60? laughs>
1: I could go a long time. And I think that's why it's important now to, for people to understand. Now law school can show you the numbers. And so. Yeah. This people, this person's graduated long school three, four years ago, and look yes. where they are now. Now you have exactly. the proof, and you can exactly. show people that this works.
2: Exactly. Yeah, we have we have. Uh, you know, our if our whole program is based on long term alignment, then show me the long term proof, and we have that for launch school. Again, we started at the beginning of twenty sixteen.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We're six years into it. We have people who well they're not six years because they have to do core and then do capstone and then get a job. So um I think our and I and we and we started capstone in seventeen. So we had um uh capstone grads landing hitting the market like in 2017 till the 18. So but we have and capstone grads lose. now like three, four years uh in in the workforce and they are they're 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 killing it, you know. <laughs> they're they're doing really, really, really well. Um so that's the thing. This this thing works. I can say that now. Mm-hmm. Course, oh, yeah, our, our hypothesis was correct. Um mm-hmm. in um in, in, in focusing on fundamentals. And there's a payoff. The slow path, there's a massive, massive payoff. Um <laughs> otherwise, it's not better. <laughs> slow by itself <laughs> is not better, right? Right. And slow is only better if there's a better payoff later. Mm-hmm. Um and so we we can point to that now, mm-hmm. uh for sure.
1: Yep. And that was my next question was do you think with the way law school teaches, again, Focus and emphasis on mastery fundamentals, first principles will hold its relevance even 10 years from now, 15 years from now, knowing the kind of field that software engineering field is, the tech industry, how it changes constantly. It we could have languages, tools, technologies that we've never even heard of in just like five years. So do you think launch school as it is will still be relevant even in that time?
2: Yeah, I think I think I mean there is change at the level that we are operating at. Um, which is the language basics, um, networking basics, database basics. But it's much, much, the change is much uh, faster at the higher levels, the framework levels. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, um, less than 10 years ago, uh, or maybe even around five years ago, there was a question mark of like, what is going to be the dominant front-end framework? Today is React, but if you look at the React ecosystem, there's a lot of, just turn and, 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 and new things coming out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you have a sort of a new gen coming up, JavaScript frameworks. Um, and so we won't participate, uh, participate in that in core. So core will just be, we have to update the language as it goes, right? We have to update maybe um, a Postgres version because we use Postgres in our database course, right? We have to do stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: um that's more maintenance so uh
1: you know um ruby
2: three is coming out so we'll have to update our ruby curriculum ruby three mm-hmm. um so things like that we'll always do right but not not uh nothing dramatic for us um and and you know th- that's just the nature of having a curriculum We have to constantly update it mm-hmm. um but even if we don't update it i think the concepts if you can you know, do a little mapping from the updated syntax with the concept, I think it'd be great. It'd be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but we're, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna update it too.
1: That's awesome. I like that sense of stability. It'll always be there. The fundamentals don't really change even if they change in such a long
2: time period. Um, but in the next 10 years, do I expect dramatic changes to the fundamental Ruby and JavaScript syntax? You know, probably not. Um, There might be other things that come up, new language features for sure, Um, and we'll update those, right? We'll 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 update that as that comes. But you know, like fundamental SQL syntax, uh, I don't think that's going to change, right? Right. So, good to know. I mean, there's like product specific syntax, right? Like I, this is this is my experience. This is, by the way, why launch school. Like we we use like like open source tools, right? So. in college, I took this database course. I liked it a lot. I learned a lot. I didn't know at the time, but it was... Uh, well, I, I knew at the time, but I didn't know how uh, detrimental it was. But it was all Oracle. <laughs> it was like all Oracle databases. Um, and I became really good at it because I was really into it. And I became mm-hmm. really good at Oracle. And then I went to work for IBM. They had their own database. It's called DB2. And so for the most part, yeah, it's all fine, the basics. But there was some special stuff in the Oracle database that DB2 didn't have. And I was like... Why did I learn this? <laughs> why did I? And I that's later found out, you know, Oracle made a big donation to my school, and that's why. But, um, oh. but that's why for a long time I'm like, I'm not, I'm not picking any proprietary tools. You know, it's, we're gonna we're gonna use Postgres. We're, <laughs> we're not gonna use um, any, any Oracle or whatever. Um, so, or you know, or DB two, right? Uh, so for us, the fundamentals even transcend vendors. Right, we don't want you to have vendor specific knowledge.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We want you to have just open source fundamental knowledge.
1: That makes sense. Again, the whole um, emphasis on foundations and basics. As long as you know, like how to work around databases, how to get information, that can translate to any any language or tool that you're using. It doesn't really matter.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can always bridge the gap between, like, if you go off and work for Oracle. You know, you have enough database fundamentals to keep learning (laughs) because you'll have to do that, right?
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: So speaking about the industry and tools, technologies, all the things that's out there, um, do you see any current trends happening right now in the software engineering field?
2: Yeah. So one of the bigger trends I've seen is sort of the cloudification of everything. Everything's kind of going cloud. Um, This is a point of emphasis for us uh, in Capstone. Um, and core is really good, and we're learning how to code in core, Um, but software engineering happens when code meets data. Mm. So in core, we don't talk about data at all, really. Um, In the database, of course, we do a little bit. the real complexity of software engineering and, and why salaries are so high is when data meets code, what happens? And so it's the idea of you take the same code base and you deploy it, you know, deploy five instances of that code base, identical code, and one has five users, one has 5,000 users, one has 50,000 users, and one has 50 million users. You fast forward a year, the code bases will all look very different. Uh, I shouldn't say the code base is the infrastructure. <clears throat> the infrastructure and, and probably base too, but the infrastructure on which this app is deployed is going to be completely different. It's not just going to be Heroku. <laughs> right. Um, and so like five users, it doesn't really matter. There's no software engineering involved. It's just programming. Your coding features deploy it to wherever you want to deploy it. No big deal. 50 million users. the, all of a sudden the data access, the data that hits your code is is paramount. Mm-hmm. It's going to drive the uh, infrastructure. And so infrastructure is going cloud now because of on-demand provisioning. Uh, you know, back in the day, you had to buy hardware. I mean, you needed, you needed to get a million dollar funding just to buy machines. I forget about software salaries, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, so nowadays with on-demand provisioning, um, it's allowed... Uh, Uh, your million dollars to go towards software development ability and not have to worry about, you know, buying, buying servers, buying hardware. So the the cloudification of everything um, is, has been a trend for a long time. Um, New CEO of Amazon comes from their AWS. That that tells you something, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, all of Amazon, you know, Amazon owns like Whole Foods. (laughs) So they picked their AWS, their cloud, um, person to now head up all of Amazon, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I believe the same was true for Microsoft. I want to say came from uh, the cloud, or uh, or maybe I'm misremembering a different company. But um, the the point is that this is the one of the. There's lots of trends in software, but this is one of the biggest ones right now, um, and this is where uh, a lot of need is happening in the software. Uh, engineering world. This is why salaries are so high. It's not just about coding.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so this is what we spend a significant amount of time talking about and covering in capstone.
3: Okay, that's good to know.
2: Yeah, I know people finish going. They're like, I'm ready to go. But yeah, we're just getting started.
1: Yeah, there's so much to yeah. so much to learn.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't I don't see any coding schools covering that. That this mm-hmm. at all, right? It's just like usually they like learn React. <laughs> they push you to React, and it's like go go for it. Um, you know, for us, it's it's definitely on the software engineering side when data meets code. But that's mm-hmm. where all the concerns and problems and software engineering come in, and and frankly, why salaries are high because you're working mm-hmm. on a class of problems that is very impactful.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: What about the security? I don't. I know they talk about security in the networking course. I think it's the last lesson, and you know hear on the news this company had a security leak and all this data was breached and all this information is just out there how is that ever taught i don't know in capstone i kind of refrain from asking
2: (laughs) so you know for us like i always say we 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 cover things based on what we see on interviews right um we definitely cover i wouldn't say it's like a point of emphasis uh for us but we definitely cover sort of best practices that everyone does um, if you remember in our, um, I believe in, in course 170 or 175, we taught people how to hash passwords. Um, and to sense. like, for example, in your database, you don't save, or that can't be 175, 185, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. cause you need a database. <laughs> <laughs> Must be yeah. 185. Um, how to hash passwords. Uh, you don't save, uh, you know, plain text passwords as plain text in your database, right? You have right. to, you have to hash it. So, uh, we cover sort of best practices like that. We do have caption projects that cover, um, you know, various aspects of security. Um, like we had a secrets manager project. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, and also at, as you're building, you're picking up sort of, again, industry best practices. Um, that's, that's security is a cross-cutting concern in every aspect of software development and software engineering, right? So it's hard to cover like that one topic, period. Um, And also, security is is a dial that you get to pick in your Mm -hmm. in your development, and it's not always put at the one hundred percent mark. It's just like building a house. Like if you have a safe in your house, how secure is your house? It's like, what if somebody throws a rock through the window and climbs through it? Yeah, that's illegal. There are, you know, at some point, the legal framework comes into play. Right. Right. But you're not going to be like, I'm going to put iron bars on the window. But what if <laughs> you have a blowtorch and cut the iron bars? Yeah, they're going to get in. <laughs> right. I <don't> so see. <laughs> it, it, it's not like it has. It, it's like secure to the point where it's Fort Knox and, you, you know, nobody can get in, period. Um, that's almost, um, you know, implausible. Right. So for security for software system it's a very similar thing where we have to employ best practices. We have to put locks on doors
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and we have to have, you know, knowledge of industry best practices and standards.
1: Okay. That was interesting. I didn't have a question, but it kind of just props me because I'm hearing on the news a lot, of all of these data breaches and stuff. and It's like, come on, like really what's going on? And I'm wondering like what, what the
2: problem all is. There's <laughs> incentive. If you, if you have a system now you can get, 600 million dollars mm-hmm. instead of instead of, you know, a little bit of money you can you can get that much.
1: So, mm-hmm. yeah. OK, I'm going to kind of shift a little bit into, I guess, logical students um, in general. So my question is, uh, besides obviously learning fundamentals at law school, what do you think makes a successful student?
2: Um, I mean, there's there's a lot and I think most of it has to do with non-technical. Uh, ability. Uh, it's, you know, positivity. Um, that's just number one, you know, got to be positive. Um, professionalism, right? So positivity and professionalism. There's we, you know, we've, we've been teaching for a long time and we've um, had a lot of different students come through. I would say um, for me for law school now, I'm, I'm fairly fanatical about the community in terms of enforcing standards, you can see that sometimes maybe it's a little bit too strong-handed sometimes, but um, there's a reason for that because what I've observed is that the default behavior of online communities is is like a front house, you know. And if you don't enforce standards, that that's just the natural direction, you know. Somebody will say a joke that is semi-appropriate and somebody go that's okay like that that's an okay thing to do Mm -hmm. and then that that bar will just get pushed right the next joke will push it a little bit further and a little bit further um so the so i think it's like knowing how to be professional super important knowing how to participate in a community like ours um uh, being positive um not being rude Right. And that's so hard. And, and also not being um, this is easy to say. It's hard to do like set aside the ego. <laughs> like, like a lot of times and online is hard, right? Like this is why I like doing these videos because you see people's faces. You see, like, if I say something, you, you can tell that it's not delivered with any uh, negative intention. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you can tell. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and so, but when I write it, you are like, like, hey, I'm offended by this statement. <laughs> right. right. Like this is like, who are you to tell me this or that, you know? Um, So sometimes that happens, especially we have to, we have to be critical in our role. You know, we're not just waiters at a restaurant kind of always delivering whatever you ask. It's like, Hey, this, this is, this needs improvement. (laughs) Right. We have to say that sometimes. And um, I would just say like, in that type of environment, just assume positive intent. And sure we can do more in terms of like, Surrounding it with sugar, but you know, we, we, we don't do that a lot, yeah. <laughs> so, we need people to assume exactly. positive intent, right? I mean, we don't, we're not rude, but we're, we're, we're just like, you need to improve line five, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I'm busy sometimes, I'm looking at something, I'm like, hey, line five needs some improvement, and I'm off, and there's no negative intent, and then boom, it's like, um, the, the next thing I know, I, you know, I'm getting curse words in my email, um, so. Oh. <laughs> so it's it's hard it's hard and I, again just uh this is why i think i like doing podcasts doing these videos just to show that okay like, hey, i'm a human being you know i'm i'm uh usually i'm not i don't have any like i'm not trying to send a message i'm not there's no like additional baggage with whatever i'm saying it's just i'm busy i'm doing a bunch of things so i write a couple sentences and i'm off yeah um uh and and uh and i think that that's really important um in a remote work environment mm-hmm. So, so, um, yeah, I, I would say all those things like positivity is number one, <laughs> just, just be like, I always say even negative people like to work with positive people.
3: Yeah. Right? <laughs>
2: so, uh, so just, just, uh, work, work on that. If, if, the, if that's not like, that's not my natural demeanor, uh, being super positive, but over the years I've, I've sort of found a way to derive joy out of work and that's really helped a lot. Instead of work out of like fear or work out of, um, uh, you know, a place of like obligation because I have to, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people always talk about imposter syndrome and I think it's natural and okay. But I think one of the most devastating side effects of having imposter syndrome is being fearful. Um, I've worked with a lot of different people in my career and I would say fearful people are the most difficult to work with. Because you don't know what they're gonna do, they behave weirdly. <laughs> you know, um, it's hard to have an objective debate about something because there's a defense mechanism that kicks in right. when people mm-hmm. are scared. It's like, oh, you're attacking my work. Am I gonna get criticized? Am I gonna lose my job? Right? It's like all the, the wheels start turning. You can just tell, right. and the behavior is just odd. It's odd behavior. So, imposter syndrome is natural, but I would just say, don't work out of fear, right? Don't work out of, um, uh, that. that's number one. Um, work out of positivity if you can.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I kind of felt a little bit of fear coming towards the end. Um, kind of as a side note, knowing, like people always say, oh, you're so close to the end. You're so close to capstone. And in my head, it's I'm like freaking out over these tests and assessments and I see how much work ahead of me. And I think sometimes it gets to me a little bit. Um, I'm trying to learn to get better at that.
2: Yeah, but you say that, but you're here making videos. You're active in the Slack, but yeah, it, it it's it's hard. I mean, uh, this is on top of everything else we've already talked about in throughout launch school, which is like persistence, studiousness, those type of things, right? So, um, just in terms of like personal attitude that you can change, um, I think it's just like again, try try to try to be positive, try to be enthusiastic, um, and and be professional. I think these are super super critical. To, mm-hmm. to not just do all logical, but like that's what employers Are looking for and everyone wants remote jobs nowadays Like that's Even more important Yeah, You know you don't have the body language To help convey your message You don't have lunches You know you can't take a walk um, So it's Even more critical to like Be open Be positive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah and
3: those
1: are things That I've learned too being in law school for this long, I feel like I was a completely different person from when we first met. I was just, I was so shy. I was terrified of having to reach out to people online. I didn't really even know how to act with people online because I've never done an online school before. I was so used to being with people and learning in a classroom with other people. And so there was a lot of mental shifts and habits that I had to change. Um, And it was kind of hard and growing out of my shell, learning how to talk to people. And those are skills that I didn't think that I would get coming to law school. I just thought, oh, I'm going to go to law school, learn fundamentals. I'll be really, I'll learn all these skills and learn all these languages and and things like that. But I never thought about the non-technical side, the soft skills that you need. How, and that that comes even from the assessments too. Can I talk in front of someone about my code? Can I, you know, can I keep my cool? Can I reach out to people that I don't know, ask them for help and, you know, offer advice or help of my own? And that just came with the experience of, of going through this and forcing myself or pushing my boundaries. Um, and I love law school and the community for that because it it's so welcoming and it is an environment that you feel safe enough to come out of your shell. And and do these things that you probably wouldn't otherwise do. Because I came into law school with that. Um, so I came into law school with the preconceptions thinking, you know, people are going to make fun of me and be mean to me because I didn't know anything about this field. And so I naturally came in thinking I was just going to study by myself, stay by myself, not talk to anybody, because that's just, that was the kind of person I am. Uh, that's how I was comfortable. But I've really
2: grown. Cool. I mean, I think, look, everyone has all these requirements for their employer. Like, it's like, what kind of job do you want? Oh, it'd be great if it was remote. I can work from anywhere. If I, you know, if I have to do something in the daytime, pick up my kids from daycare in the middle of the day, I could do that without, you know, having to, like, you know, ask anybody, right? As long as, not, as, long as I'm not missing meetings. Yeah, sure. Of course. All these jobs that our caps and grads are getting for the most part are like that. Very, very few employers are like, oh, you have to work these hours or, you know, whatever, right? There's meetings you have to attend. But on the flip side, it comes, you have to have accountability. Right. You have to have that professionalism, right? You have to have empathy for your colleagues. You have to um, be proactive, mm-hmm. right? You have to, there's a lot for you too, right? And by the way, I want to make a ton of money too. I want all <laughs> that facility. I want to work from wherever I want, and I want a ton of money. And mm-hmm. all those things are available to you. But it's it's going to take more than just memorizing some JavaScript, right? It's, yes. it's, it's going to take more than that. Yeah. Um, that that all of that comes from um, learning how to handle yourself, right? Because some mm-hmm. people can't handle it. It's 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 hard. It's too ambiguous and it's too unstructured. But the best jobs are unstructured. The best jobs lack structure, right? Because if you're if you have structure, all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm being told what to do like every hour. That doesn't feel good. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, it takes, it takes all of what you just described. Mm -hmm. Um, again, just making these videos is great. (laughs) It's it's absolutely necessary. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge part of community building and, um, building trust and, um, you know, that that's uh, as some, at a certain salary level, trust becomes more important (laughs) than anything. Yes. Especially if, like, you're going to pull down their code onto your laptop. Trust is so, so, so important, right? So yes. it's absolutely not, again, memorize some syntax and I go work for a job and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. it's absolutely not that.
1: Oh, yeah. The the soft skills and the non-tenant part. Huge, huge part of law school. To me, sometimes I think about that even more than the actual technical knowledge that I know. When I think of myself now and think how employers are going to look at me, I think I can talk in front of people now. I can interview. I can do these, you know, I can meet people, things like that. All these other skills that have nothing to do with JavaScript and Ruby. But it's like in addition to those things that I didn't even know that I was going to have. And that's so amazing that an online school like provided that for me when I didn't even have something like that. At my university or college in person. So, very grateful. You know, at some point,
2: community. community and culture of an organization overrides everything else. And for me, what we've like, the thing that I'm most proud of at School is not that we have written 12 books or that we have, I don't know how many, 20, 30 courses or that our average salaries are over 120 USD now. It, these, are, these are like side effects. These are all side effects of the, the the salary numbers and all that. Side effects of the culture we have, the community we have. Um, and I think it's like, it's every education institution, it's it's hard to like isolate the teaching effectiveness versus the student, mm-hmm. right? It, it's hard to say like, like the teaching effectiveness was... 80% of why the student got this result, right? If you pick the best schools in the world, pick MIT. I mean, the inputs are really good. You know, they're, they're taking like the, the the best of the best of the best. Um, and it, it you can say, well, what if, like, you, you can probably pick in most good teachers. <laughs> they probably do fine, right? It's one of those things where like, you know, An average to good coach can probably coach the the best teams, (laughs) right? Uh, um, Obviously, you have a best coach that's better, but it's hard to like isolate the two things in any education education institution, Mm -hmm. right? So, like every education institution holds up like their results, but I think the question always is like, was that because of your awesome teaching, or is that because the student was already awesome, (laughs) or or I'm sure there's a combo, but what is that combo, right? Mm-hmm. Is it like 10% teaching and 90% student awesome? Or is it 90% awesome teaching and 10% student? Ability? Like, what, like what is that? <laughs> um, and, and that's always a question on people's minds. And I feel like the answer to that isn't really try to isolate because it's impossible. It's impossible to isolate. The question is community. Uh, the, the answer is community and culture. It's a culture of studiousness. It's a community of people willing to give. It's a professional, empathetic community that's willing to help each other, Mm -hmm. right? But it's a culture of excellence and studiousness. Like that combo is what I'm most proud of. And that combo to me is what allows law school to get the results that we get. Mm -hmm. It's actually not like our assessments. I mean, that's important, but... um, So much more to that. There's so much more to it than that, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: um, that's the thing that I'm, I'm... I, I, I really look at what we have and I go, you know, this is something. This is something special. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't. I think, you know, so. <laughs> I think our books and stuff are good too, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is the unique thing about us, right? The mm-hmm.
1: people, the people, the community, the culture, all of it. I think that's something that almost everyone, everyone agrees on. Um, I never found that anywhere else, and I didn't think that coming into the engineering field that this is what it was going to be like.
2: Um, and, and it's strong enough now where like, if we have people who come, like you have to adjust to our culture and mm-hmm. if you can't, it's okay. Right. It, it, but if you do, you'll see what, w- what type of excellent work you can do. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's what people care about here. Right. Um, but, but also it's sort of like the empathetic excellence. Yeah. Right? It, it, it's not just like excellence in terms of filtering. <laughs> like if you can't reach this, get out. It's not like that. It's it's we're gonna help each other. We're gonna build each other up, mm-hmm. and and we're all gonna strive for excellence. And yeah. I, I think that's just been amazing to watch the the community form over the last you know many years.
1: I love that. I love that. I remember when I first started the Women Who Code group. It was going, um, but the the spot wasn't even there. It was still mm-hmm. ugh, when I started. It probably wasn't even study dream team. But I remember joining the study dream team before it was a spot and just seeing how it grew into what it is now. I mean, we have our own like gather town space and it's huge. Like I was just, it's amazing.
2: And it just keeps getting getting better. I gather town the other day just to check it out. I was like, what is this? I can't believe Marco's did this. And (laughs) it's awesome. He did a great (laughs) job. And he's like showing me. And so I checked out the other day and Joel was explaining closures to someone one-on-one and I dropped by and they were both like, Hey, what's, what are you doing here, Chris? And I was like, this is like the most astounding thing. <laughs> right? It was just like, just the ad hoc study session that is happening and people care. People want to explain it. And um, it, it was, it was just amazing to, to, uh, to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gallatown's is cool. Cause you can walk around. I, I've done that before in the past was randomly and came across certain study centers. They're all so good. I think came across one from Lena, I think. And I was like, this is, this is like amazing.
1: <laughs> wow. Did you ever, did you ever think it was going to be like this? Like
2: No, 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 no. I, this is, I think this is a result of trying to not, not like overhyping, like not, not be marketing led. I honestly think the people that find us uh, in the beginning um, were people who really resonated with the idea of like learning things well Mm -hmm. and i did not expect or anticipate it but they they also come with other positive attributes you know i would say like good jobs are good everything high pay lots of vacation right (laughs) you're like a a good mentorship good growth right because some people are like i want to i don't i'll get paid less if i get all the good things you know i don't care if i don't have to make 120 like yeah but that's not a choice you get to make (laughs) the good jobs have every everything's good about it it. good people are the same thing everything's good about good people it's like well i don't need someone that's like awesome at this i just need they're 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 just they're just uh good across the board you know professional kind empathetic positive smart um actually i'm going to take that word back because i no longer believe in smartness um hardworking Let's oh, put it that way, lo-
1: right? I, yeah, I like
2: that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> hardworking, diligent, studious, kind, right? And so um when we have that, lots of that, lots of people like that, then you build a critical mass. And that's the start of the culture. That's the start of the culture you have. Um and I think uh, you know, I like, read a lot of business books and things like things like that, uh, watch a lot of talks, they always talk about culture always the abstract term to me,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, um, and also usually talking about work culture. Right. So I'm always thinking about work culture. I'm always thinking about like, okay, make sure like our staff are happy. You know, I have a very staff centric view of, of things. Right. If, uh, uh, but the the thing that caught me off guard was the culture of our student community, you know, and, and just seeing that it's like, wow.
1: It is. Right? Wow. I, I think about it too I mean I'm in it and it just blows me away every time I see it and just being a part of this group this community has even changed the way I feel about myself because of how these people are how kind and welcoming i it, it's made me want to be that way even more and it's such a giving community and I feel like that was one of the things that I felt bad about in the beginning when I joined law school was, I don't know anything in this field. I can't contribute. I can't give anything back. I don't know anything. Or I'm not smart enough. Things like that. Just really negative things. But going through law school these past few years and growing with this community um, has really changed how I feel about myself. And you just said it. You said uh, smart. And then you took that back. Because as dumb as it is, that was one of those qualities that I didn't think that I had. And I thought that would be the one thing that would not make me hireable or anything like that, uh, because there's just certain things I struggle on, like the interviews. And I thought, oh, it's just because I'm not as smart as anyone else. And that's what is going to hold me back from being successful. And it's not that at all. And um, community has helped me a lot to realize that it has nothing to do with prior Knowledge or being smart or intelligent—it's just, are you willing to work hard and spend as long as you need to and do whatever you need to to learn this? And I learned that firsthand with the last course I did, JS two twenty-five. That course really, really um, challenged me, really tested me, even more so than one or nine did. And you remember that? <laughs> I was did a pass? mess.
2: <laughs> it really tested me. And you did you pass two twenty-five? Yeah. Yeah. yeah See, I, I, I feel like after, after that experience, you hit another hard thing. You're, you're just going to assume, okay, here's another heart. Here's another mountain to climb, but I've climbed some mountains in the past already. So I know I can do this. And mm-hmm. this is again, high paying jobs. Like you're, you'll work on things you don't know how to do like all the time. It's, it, if you are working on things, like, again, here's a question I get, right. I, I want to make sure that I learn everything. I need to know for my for first for, for, for a programming job
3: mm-hmm. will
2: your program teach me that I'm like no <laughs> absolutely not yeah, right everything. because that's yeah. not the goal um I mean in my software engineering career is the same thing every single like project that we took on was like things were things that we didn't know we'd never done before if you're doing the same things over and over it, it's it, it, it you're not that's that's a low paying job <laughs> it's not gonna be a high paying job right the high paying mm-hmm. job' are always about building things that you haven't done before your team hasn't mm-hmm. done before it's exploratory in a lot of ways um and you grow and change yeah and 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 so the confidence that you get from your experience and core and and in the future capstone um will help with that for sure right will help with that um it's that's all you have to lean on it's just like okay i don't know how to do this but i forgot a bunch of stuff in the past and uh I'm going to give this a shot and see what happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I learned that first and. I remember yeah, online I was out talking to you about that. Oh, I had so much anxiety about the test. It still hasn't it's still there, that part of me of just really wanting to do well and kind of just almost a little fearful and I just thought, you know, I can't can't let this get to me. I have to do it no matter how I feel about it. I've trained for so long. I know this and I just how to take it and that first written one, I was actually surprised. I don't know if I I left feedback, but I don't know if I mentioned it, but I actually liked the test. I had fun taking the test and I don't know if it's because I worked my butt off to learn those concepts all day, every day, but it actually seemed kind of easy to me. And I don't use that word for like anything.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. (laughs) It's show, it's showtime for you, right? Yeah. When you you have, when you have mastery, it becomes showtime, as opposed to "I gotta pass." Yeah, like, think about the assessments that we have. I gotta pass. What's the point of passing? You know, what is the point of passing? It's 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 the point. Of, the point is actually not the assessment. The point is like under, these are the things you got to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, the, the, this is this is stuff that I I wish I had early in my career. I didn't have this. It took me ten years of bouncing around. You, you know, just a lot of pain to figure all this out on my own, and then uh, here is a curriculum wrapped with these exact gotchas, difficult concepts. But because they're tricks and and, and difficult concepts, y- you you got to focus on them, right. So we're, we're like focusing on the exact pain
3: <laughs> yep. that
2: you will encounter later. <laughs> right and trying to remove yeah. it early
1: oh i'm so glad i did this i'm doing this now as opposed to when i'm asking for a lot of money later and i just don't know what i'm doing but it is like show time i mean i usually kind of walk into assessment saying oh, i just have to pass i just have to pass but this one i trained for so long practiced doing it i actually got excited and i was like you know what i'm i'm really excited to like show them what i know because i learned yeah. a
3: lot
2: Ugh. That yeah, was, exactly. Assessments um, can be showtime show if you, if you, if you, you know. Yeah, it doesn't have to be attitude beautiful. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I, yeah, that was probably the hardest course for me. But looking back, it was probably one of my favorite things to learn because that's what, probably where I struggled the most. And I think I grew so much in that little bit of time that it ended up becoming like, my favorite course, favorite probably experience of it all. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty much on your way now, you know, you're, you're at the point where I feel like you're just, you know, you, you do, do whatever you want at this point and you, you'll, 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 you'll be fine. <laughs> I hope you do capstone, but, you know, uh, you, you don't have to. Right. And um, a lot of people ask me about, well, is core worth it without capstone? And just like, yeah, I mean, it's mastery fundamentals. Like, when yeah. when would that not ever be worth it? Mm-hmm. You know? um, so, that, that's yeah. that's people get. I'm going to keep saying this until I'm proven false, proven <laughs> wrong, but I have yet to know anybody who finished core, who graduated core and did not land a job.
1: So, that's uh, like 100% some duration
2: after some okay. duration. And okay. I, I'm putting that at 10 months. <laughs> um, but it, that's just arbitrary. Let's We can say six months, but let's say like active job search, searching, like not, you know, I took a vacation for three months or, you know, went to grad school, right? Like that doesn't count, right? <laughs> yeah. If you finish going to grad school, that doesn't count. But if you, like, if you're actively looking for a job for however many months, we can just decide on a number that seems fair. <laughs> Um, and but i haven't i haven't seen that you know so
0: if you know anybody
2: or if you are in that position let me know i i i i want to i want to know um you know what's going on i
1: i just saw camera was i think it was linkedin um what's his name amen amen yeah um he built that app uh yeah and i It was one of those posts where it's like, congratulate him on his new job. So he has a software engineering job. I thought, oh, that's amazing because he finished core. I don't think he did Capstone. So I was thinking about like reaching out to him and asking how did you do it? What did you do? Because I know that's a huge question. I even had that question once um, back when I wasn't sure about
2: Capstone. I guarantee you, you can get a job right now. The the, the thing with all those, uh, so you see on Medium and um, YouTube, it's like, this is how I broke into tech and this is what I got. I almost wish like people would say like what their salary and role was. Right. So salary and role, those are two, those are two important things. Like if you are, and for us, we're like so biased towards like core engineering, but there's so many other tech jobs. Law school just doesn't target them. They're not, you can, you can work for them and they get paid a lot. Like sometimes like there's a role called like solutions architect. Right. That's not a, usually not a core engineering role. um, Maybe a little bit more customer facing, but technical. Mm -hmm. they pay really well i mean you know six figures um and you got good communication ability you can totally get one of those jobs it's just capsule does is overkill for that right like you can do core and get one of those jobs no no problem right um and so when people share their experiences i I, like they need to say that right those two things right because otherwise it's like i don't know it's like cool i'm glad you broke my time happy for you but like but people need to, there's so many different destinations. It's like, it's like a sub, uh, it's like a, a train ride with like 50 different stops. And you're like, this is how I got on my train. This is how <laughs> I got to my stop. It's like, okay, what is your stop? <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is the other steps I did. It's like, okay, before we talk about the steps that you took and the resources that you use and the books that you read, talk about your stop. <laughs> Yeah, to talk about, and then I'll decide if I want to go to that stop.
1: <laughs> right, because it could be anything, anything that you do.
2: Right, so I think that's that's my biggest biggest complaint with like all these articles and YouTube things It's just like how I broke a type. Okay, but like exactly what, right? And um, and so like we do that for Capsule, for example, right? We have a lot of interviews on Capsule. Say, hey, these, this is what people are working on. This is the job they got. This is the salary they got. And um, all our Capsule guys are like super transparent about it. Um, well not all but like a lot of them are right so everyone's different but um a lot of people are like willing to talk about it um and yeah. i think that that part that's interesting the only problem with core is core when you finish core like you can do whatever you you, you know um and it, it, we don't we don't have a pricing structure that allows um our staff to help you know so right. um but uh, for capstone we do mm-hmm.
1: right and that can be kind so, of scary if you after being, you know, having a structured curriculum of this is what you're going to study and you're going to have tests and then you can go on it. And then afterwards you're like, well, okay, now what, what do I do now? How do I go get this job? And you have to kind of figure out things, you know, tools, languages that you need to learn for this job.
2: Yeah. And it depends on what, so like, again, you can learn React after core if you want. It's like, uh, but then should you? like do you yes. want to do react <laughs> like, if you want to do front-end work and you want to work on react yes that's the path right and i think this is one of those like walking down a serial aisle a lot of options but there's a different action for every option mm-hmm. right and like Capstone's super biased yeah. super super biased capstone is like pretty targeted it doesn't like you know you, you don't get like data science jobs out of capstone
3: right
2: at least not immediately Right. You don't get blockchain jobs out of capstone. We've had lots of, we've had several capstone people eventually get into blockchain web three companies, hmm. a handful. Um, usually the second job. Right. But the first one, capstone is very biased. We we know right. exactly where this is why we can craft a curriculum. We know exactly where we're going.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
2: Exactly. And I think that's the hard part of core is like, okay, now you can do whatever you want. Now so you're like, yeah
1: yeah i i've kind of gotten used to this that if i were just kind of left like okay I, I, what do i learn and should i learn it i i don't really know um type thing so i think that'd be interesting to maybe hear from someone who's found a job after core i think that's something that people would like to know because capsulon obviously isn't possible for everybody a lot
2: those. yeah we have a lot yeah that's good to hear it, it's like i said if, if somebody finished core did not get a job they they I want to know. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, that's, well, that's
1: good to know. I, I never really think about core like that. And I mean, I would love to do capstone. So it it kind of isn't the same path for me, but that's, that's good that they found jobs. At least if it's not immediately after some time,
2: there's no standard, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that get jobs in the middle of core a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right, that like um, when people cancel, they they leave a little note, um, and a lot of them are like, "Hey, I I got a job. Thanks so much. I'm done." And they're in like two twenty five, <laughs> right?
3: Wow, it's um, amazing. Or, or
2: even earlier, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very very common.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So you know, that's okay. That's totally fine with me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a success for us. We just don't track it officially, but that's a that's a good success for us.
1: I think so who's this program not good for?
2: You know, I think one One of the things great about one of the great things about having a good culture is we can just point to that. It's like, you got to fit our culture. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's, that's one of the things I can, I can say now, whereas earlier I couldn't, right. Mm -hmm. You got to fit, you got to fit with what we have already going. Um, And then all the other stuff I talked about, you know, being studious, figure out how you learn. I think that's the number one thing. I think it's um, for people who are naturally good students. Um, uh, obviously, you know, we don't need to talk too much about that. right? <laughs> Just take the course. Um, but for, but I think the real value of master based learning is it allows people who haven't figured out their study workflow, or it's been a while since, you know, and that's true for a lot of career transitions, been out of school for a little bit, um, to figure out their study workflow, right? Again, um, or for the first time, and that, that is, that is the key, you know, yeah. it, it's not Ruby or Java. It's, it's, it's really how to study and also with, with everyone's personal life situation, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You got a full-time job, you got a family, you got kids, you got all this stuff. Yeah. How? And I don't have answers, but I can show you patterns from previous students, but for you specifically, you got to figure that out.
1: Yes. Right. And that, yeah, that's very true. Because, I mean, you know, when I first walked in, I didn't know, again, I didn't really know anything about anything and not even knowing how to study. I remember first starting Ruby 101, having like spiral notebooks, word for word, copied notes, because somehow that's just what I used to do in college. It worked back then. Um, and I filled up all these books and I never read them again. Mm. And I spent a lot of time in Ruby 101 figuring out how to study which is not something i ever thought that i didn't know i mean it's not people don't think about it like of course i know how to study maybe not really um right. this is very different, very different. <laughs> and i st- struggled a lot remember we're gonna go things ask for one hundred
2: twenty thousand dollars per year <laughs> yes. we're gonna study enough for that request
1: <laughs> yeah <Right? laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man yeah that's that's sort of the big like winning things. the lottery
2: every year
3: yes
1: and by yeah. the way i
2: want five weeks of vacation i mean people have all these demands <laughs> i don't work from home you know and all these demands can be fulfilled yeah you got to study a little bit yeah
1: you have to that you have there is work a lot of work on your part nothing's just given to you and so learning how to learn is one of those big things it comes with time my mm-hmm. system is grabbed from a whole bunch of other people's experiences that i've just formed as my own and i made that video about how i studied because that's
2: such a good video we need to point to it <laughs> thank you <laughs> we added thank it you. to the study guide by the way <laughs> thank you yes it, so it is, cool. it, is a, it is a good video The how <laughs> you. to study on assessments video
1: Thanks. i i wasn't even really planning to make that i just thought maybe someone would like to know or maybe have some pointers because I didn't know what I was doing. And I would always ask for advice on how to do things. And I came up with my own system that I did with Karis about kind of passing through the curriculum, getting the study guide, and then going back. That is how I found for me to be more efficient and just to just be better. And I thought, well, if other people are doing this, and what I was doing, I thought, is this the right way to do it? Am I doing it wrong? There really is no wrong way. You, you've you just figured it out. Whatever works for you, as long as you do well, you master material, pass the test, that's what matters. Just figure out your own system, and it's okay to change things up if it's not working for you. There mm-hmm. is no right or wrong here. So,
2: Yeah, you'll definitely have to point people to that video. Uh, drop a link. <laughs> Thank you.
1: I'll add the link. Okay, so I'm going to shift a little bit into, I guess, more like personal questions about you and how you feel. Um, So first one is, how do you feel when you see students complete core or complete capstone and they become successful at what they do, knowing this is where they started, here is where they are now? How does that make you feel when you see that?
2: That, I mean, that's that's all there is to this, you know, like to me, that's everything. So it's... uh, there's so much gratitude in, in our graduates, you know? And I, I'm like, hey, you, you, you paid us money, you know, or you're paying us money, like, um, but nonetheless, they're still, they they all express a lot of gratitude and they want to give back, right? And I always say, like, your success is how you give back. Cause I'm gonna point to you, right? I'm gonna point to you if, if whenever people ask, is this worth it, is this gonna work? Um, and we have such a wide variety of backgrounds in our, you know, graduate and our alumni. Um, um, network. We have people who never went to college. We have people who went to, you know, went all the way through the end with terminal degrees. Um, and so, it you know, different ages, everything, right? Like, and and so I can point to almost like any any obstacle that you think you have. I can point to somebody and say, look at how successful they were, right? And they 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 sort of match your profile. Um, but yeah, student success is why we're here. And also I, I, kind of want to keep harping on this, which is student success while minimizing harm. It's very easy to have this training program and hype it up with marketing and attract a lot of people and then leave X percent in the dust. Leave X percent with incredible negative outcomes, whether through paying a high fee or whether through opportunity cost or whether through just um, misleading them and then still holding up the Y percent that succeeded, right? So it's not only about looking at the success, of which we have a lot, but it's also looking at designing an education process where we're also minimizing harm. To me, that's super, super, super important in um, how I think about this. This is why for capstone, I'm aiming for 100% success rate out of capstone. It's not okay to have a 90% success rate out of capstone because capstone is kind of like the traditional education models where we charge a lot of money. Yep. Right, and because we're because we have to pay staff and we're giving a lot of time, so we have to charge a lot of money. Yep. Um, and uh, and I want to aim for 100% there. Right, and but how do we do that? Well, we have to enforce a super long entry process, which is core, right? Mm-hmm. And and then we have a much better handle. And so that's that to me um, is 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 super important. But yeah, the the people getting, I'm I'm equally happy for core success stories, um, y- you know. And I want to see that. Um, it's not that I like I in my mind. I know what the value of capstone is i know you know i see our results and i and i think more there's even more and more value we're frankly underselling capstone. um we're at the point where employers are contacting me wanting to hire capsule grads so it's become one of these things where um like you know people are looking for capsule grads um and so you know i'm not like if somebody got a job after core i'm not like oh man you should have the capstone right um, i'm like great that, that I'm, I'm that proves the value of core Yep. and again minimizing harm, oh, yeah. right yep. core is awesome without capstone Capstone is even more awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what i'm going for it's not yeah. core is trash and capstone is where it all, it's all that because
1: without the core you can't really have a capstone experience like you need core exactly core, core is, is
2: awesome 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 right capstone is just add more awesome to it <laughs> so that's you know that's the whole thesis of like minimizing harm aiming for excellence having a culture all of that so so student success is everything um and even i would even say this even when people check us out and they leave quickly uh, that to me it's a success students leaving is a success because thanks for checking us out I'm so glad that we have this way for you to check us out without having to spend 10 grand. Right. So Thanks. the worst yeah, scenario that cool. I want to avoid at all costs that people here for a long time and not, not learning. If you're one, if you're in one-on-one for 10 months, that's bad. That's bad on all accounts. I, I don't want that. Right. If you're here for one or two months and one-on-one and you didn't work and you left, Great. Good outcome. You know, if you finish core, got a job. Great. If you halfway through core, you got a job. Great. If you did capstone, you get a job. Great. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's all, all great. great.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's, there's literally one worst case scenario, which is you're in core for a long time and you're just not doing anything. You're not getting anything out of it. That's the one scenario. I just want to avoid at all costs.
1: Mm-hmm. That's time and money and energy yeah. spent.
2: Yeah. Exactly. I want to make sure that everyone here is either moving forward or leaving. You know, the way I think about logical is just not a typical SaaS business because we're dealing with such a vulnerable population. That's another thing I learned doing sort of like education training is, is that there are so many people that want to pay money to solve their problems. And it's so easy to get people to pay money. You can, you can just say something. But in the long run, you're gonna get found out, you know. Uh, in the long run, you're gonna hurt people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like there was people. a boot camp. This is maybe I forget. Like 2017, 2018. There was a boot camp that literally just went away. <laughs> like it was a kind of a rug pull kind of thing, and it was in business for several years and it got really good reviews.
1: Was it the Lambda School?
2: Or that- no, it was called like oh. Dev something. Oh. Um, it was. Uh, I don't want to say the wrong name because it you know, but it, it was a school that it was a boot camp that was synchronous, uh, three months, that type of thing, good reviews. Um and actually there uh we had a course student leave us to attend that. Um and right and such bad timing. Right when he went, that happened. Like there was one guy teaching and he just like ran away. <laughs> he asked for like deposits. And then he just disappeared and it got good reviews. That, that bootcamp got good reviews. And then that guy came back and he was like, well, guess I shouldn't have left. I was like, this just bad timing. I mean, I don't know. Right. Like, it's hard to say what could have happened, but, um, you know, like getting people to pay for education materials, uh, not that hard getting results. is hard. You know, getting people to read that book is hard. Getting people to buy the book is not.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. It's and we're about stuff. reading the book. We're not about buying the book. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, if you're here and you're not reading the book, leave. <laughs> right? If, if you're here and you're not doing anything, you shouldn't you shouldn't be, you shouldn't pay. Yeah. And if you're here, I want you to, I want to try to figure out how to move forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's let's work on that. Right. Mm-hmm. Because after you finish this, I know good things are there for you.
3: Yep.
2: Right. So that's that's how I think about all of this. And that's why I think we're, it's different, right? Um, I think from a business perspective, it might be easier to just create some courses and books and sell them, frankly, <laughs> and, and not have to worry about results, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and, you know, every, most authors, I should say, not every, but most authors measure their own success based on how many books they sold, how many courses they sold, not based on how many people read them. Right. How many people finished a course, right? It's almost a joke, like, you know, uh, do your Udemy courses, read your books.
1: Right? So, yeah, I'm kind of guilty of that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, everyone
2: is. It's I easy. love collecting technical books. <laughs> That's my hobby. It's my passion. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you, you know, but the reading part is, and studying, you know, you already mentioned this, the studying, not just reading, but the studying part and the mastery part. Yes, that's the hard part, that's you know, the
3: hard part.
2: <laughs> and that's yeah. the key to this whole this, this whole thing. It, 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 that, that, that's the key, not, not the purchase.
3: Hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I kind of thought that the other day when I was talking about my test and saying that I passed it, and they're like, "Oh, congrats, you passed your test!" Or I talk about it, and they're like, "Oh, it's just a test, whatever." I said, "Do you know how much work I'm putting into this?" Mm. like how much time and energy is going into this it is not just a test it is not just it i don't know there's just so much more going behind all the work that i that i put in or all of us put in that no one really sees and they tend to forget it's not oh i'm just going to become an engineer and they just see the title so there's a lot of work behind this there's so much being put into this that is invested over time that gets us to this point
2: don't worry. You'll get, you'll get a payoff in the form of paychecks. Yeah, I mean, I promise you, you will get, and we'll do a video at that point in time because, and I can say that, like, I can't say that with everybody, right? I get a lot of emails and I don't know them. I don't see their work. I'm like, I can't make any projections about you. I don't, I haven't seen your work ethic. I haven't seen your persistence. I've, I've seen you for you. I have seen, so that's why I can say, and I know the market, right? I've seen your work over years and I, can, I know the market, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, no no hesitation to make that proclamation. Um, so I think awesome. sometimes, yeah, there's like studying in a vacuum and all that. Like, what's the point? What's the goal? Is it an intellectual exercise? Yeah, I'm glad that if it's an intellectual exercise. But as I said before, our curriculum has a goal, has a mm-hmm. purpose. And, you know,
1: and it, you forget it's going to be worth days. it. Yeah,
2: if if it's not worth it, then then you should do that other whatever other shorter path, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I think it's worth it. After three years, I've yeah, for sure, I would have done something else probably, but I would not have spent three years doing this. But yeah, yeah, enjoy it. This is
2: guess what? When you finish capstone, it's more of the same, except you get paid. Yes. Right. It's all the same. So you should enjoy it, right? It's just like, oh, yeah. I'm running for three months and, and I hate it. Well, what's going to happen when you get a job? Yeah. <laughs> right? that's, that's your career. Every
3: day. Yes. Yeah.
2: That's your, you better enjoy it. Better learn to enjoy it. Better learn to work, you know, uh, at, at a pace that you can and you can sustain over a long time, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that's all the questions I have for Chris today. Uh, We talked about a lot of stuff. It was so interesting to learn about all these things from you and just really fun to chat with you. I love, love having conversations with you. So thank you so much for doing this, Chris.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having a channel. Thanks for having, making these videos and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation. It was a lot of fun.
1: Thanks. Cool. I hope you guys like that too. So
3: I guess that's it for this one. I'll see you guys in the next video. Bye.
2: All right. Bye.